Join me as we pray together. Father, we're grateful for this day. We're grateful for your presence with us today and thankful that we can come together and we can worship you in spirit and in truth. Thank you for your love to us. Thank you for your grace and your forgiveness and your mercy. We celebrate all of that today. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. We're so glad you are here today. Thank you for joining us for worship. Let me start off by saying Happy Father's Day to all of you fathers who are here today. Later in the service, you, yeah, you can go ahead. Yeah, I'll tell you that. Your wife might not clap for you, but everybody else will. How about that? Later in the service, we will uh, have you stand, and uh, Don will do a special prayer for you. But we are glad you're here, and fathers. It's your special day, and we do wish you a happy Father's Day. Again, I'm glad you joined us for worship today. Um, if you're a guest, we welcome you, and uh, we pray that you feel God's presence as we worship together. There's a gift for you out on the Welcome Center. I tell you about this every week, uh, but if you're a first-time guest, you've never heard it before. So uh, there's a gift. If you'll go by and pick up one of those bags at the end of the Welcome Center right out these doors, uh, that is our gift to you, and there's information in there. If you have any questions, we'll answer them if we can, and if we can't, we'll find somebody, somebody who can. But again, thank you for being here, and thank, for, thank all of you who have joined us by live stream. We pray also that you feel God's presence as we worship Him in this place today. Why don't you stand and greet one another in the name of the Lord, and then we'll sing together a great hymn of testimony. I'm thine, O Lord.
good, good Father, you join us. We continue in worship together.
I forgot to say good morning to him. <laughs> Happy Father's Day. Hallelujah. I'm a father. How many fathers we got in here? Well, I never seen anybody. Stand up. I'm going to ask you to stand, fathers. Hallelujah. Look at that. Now, I'd like to have a special prayer for the fathers. Father God, we just come to you this morning as our Heavenly Father, asking you to bless our other fathers, the fathers that are fathers of our children, our grandchildren, our great-grandchildren, and husbands to wonderful wives. Father, bless them with your wisdom, your mercy, and your grace as they live to be the fathers that you want them to be. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I've been here several years. <laughs> now, I didn't mean that to be funny. I'm just. <laughs> but I've never seen two weeks like these past two weeks. We have lost four wonderful church members in the past two weeks. God's called them home. And I, I want us to remember them this morning because there's got to be a big void in this loss and a lot of grief taking place. Brian Bourne's Father Dennis last week. Uh, oh, yeah. We had the funeral yesterday of Barry Marston and Donna and remember her and Eddie and Judy Littrell. And I just learned this morning that John Shoemaker had passed away. That's been a busy week. God's been busy. But we know where they are. 
and we can rejoice in where they are. And I hope I can read a scripture that's going to give some comfort to those who have lost loved ones and to others as well. And it's from 1 Thessalonians 4, verses 16 and 17. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a, la with a shout, with the voice of an archangel, and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we'll always be together with the Lord. Boy, that's a comfort to me. Knowing we're going to see them again. Give God a praise for that. That's awesome. That's awesome. That's awesome. And following that, we have a time at the church this morning, as every Sunday morning, for prayer time at the altar. So I would encourage anyone who would like to come to this altar this morning to lay your request at the altar, walk away and leave them at the altar, for God will hear them. And I pray that you have praises for God as well. So let me encourage you right now at this time, won't you come and join me at the altar as we have prayer time this morning? Fathers, I come to you this morning in the name of Jesus. I come to bring thanksgiving and praise and all glory to you, for you are an awesome God. And I thank you, Father, for loving these loved ones who've gone to be with you. Seems like even more than us because they're not here to put up with anything anymore. They're full of joy every day, rejoicing in you every day. And I pray that we as Christians right here on earth are rejoicing every day too. Every day here should be Father's Day as well. Father, there are lots of needs. All of them, I'm not aware of them, but I know you are. And I know you hear the prayers of these that are here and those that are in the audience. I know. Because, Father, we pray in the name of Jesus according to your will, and you tell us then that you'll hear our prayers. And, Father, we know when you hear our prayers, our requests will be granted. So we're thanking you for hearing our prayers this morning. So whatever the needs might be, whether it be of healing, whether it be of finances, whether it be of marriages, whatever it is, Father, we all have needs but we have a loving God that we can bring those needs to, just like these this morning. They're going to leave these needs right here for you. So, Father, I praise you. Oh, I praise you for who you are. And I praise you that we can come to you, especially in times of losing a loved one. And we can still praise you, Father, for they're better off than they are here. We miss them, but oh my goodness, Father, sometimes we think we wouldn't have them back because of where they are. But God, we just praise you and thank you that you love us enough that you let your son go to that cross and die for us. And he said, you, he took away our sins. And you said, by his stripes, we are healed. And you're present with us every day. So we just thank you, Father. I want to lift up our pastor in his absence this morning and ask you, Father, that you have granted him a wonderful time of rest and relaxation. I pray that you'll anoint Bill as he brings the message this morning, Father. And I pray that you'll anoint the church to receive the message, whatever it comes from you, Father. We don't want to miss it. So, Father, this is a day of praise and thanksgiving to you. Thank you, our Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen.
morning. I'm glad that Lisa McLeod has come to lead us in worship. Thank you, Lisa, for leading us. We've had a lot of things going on in our world, from the wars in the Ukraine to things right here in our own land, um, to just disquiet and unrest in the church. Um, and I think especially on Father's Day, it's a great thing to say, if ever we've needed him, we need him now. Um, we need to rise up as a nation. We need to rise up as a church. And we need to get back in church, and we need to get strong in church. And um, so this is the prayer of my heart this morning. Thank you, Lisa. Thank you, Lisa, for leading us so beautifully. And I told Lisa that today I was going to speak on Pentecost, but that changed. Her song fits perfectly with what I'm going to speak on today. And we did not communicate that. But thank you, Lisa. And thank you for reminding us that we need to be praying for spiritual awakening in this country. When there's spiritual awakening, and then there's going to be revival. So that needs to be our prayer. Pray for spiritual awakening. Today I'm going to uh, challenge you, I'm going to read just some selections from Romans chapter 8, but I, I implore you to maybe go home, and I know many of you probably read the whole chapter many times, go back and read that whole chapter and listen to what Paul had to say about what God 
asked of us. Romans chapter 8, verses 1 through 4. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free, free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fully met in us who do not live according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. And then verse 18 says this, I consider that our present sufferings are not worth comparing with the glory that will be revealed in us. And then 26 through 28, in the same way the Spirit helps us in our weakness, we do not know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us through wordless groans. And he who searches our hearts knows the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for God's people in accordance with the will of God. And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. May God add his blessings to the reading of his word today. The choir is going to share an anthem this morning called A Place for Healing Grace.
Romans chapter 8 is probably one of the most powerful passages of Scripture written by the Apostle Paul to the Romans, to the Christians in Rome. And it begins by stating that there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. Now, many times when I've stood by the bedside of someone who's facing the end of their life, somebody's calling me, <laughs> who's facing the end of, I kept feeling this, this buzz, but I've stood by the bedside of many people who uh, were ending their lives and they were thinking about things they had done wrong maybe in their lives, mistakes they had made, uh, choices they had made, and their question is, has consistently been, do you think the Lord will forgive me? Do you think I'll be able to go to heaven? And my answer is, if you are a child of God, there is therefore no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. And I think that's very comforting uh, words for people who are facing uh, some times in their lives that they've never had to face before. And uh, it begins with that. It begins, there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And it ends by assuring us that there is nothing or no one that can separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Forgiveness is one bookend to this chapter, and then on the other end is eternal companionship. Those are the bookends of this passage of Scripture. Uh, and you cannot help, I cannot help, and I'm assuming you cannot help, but being overwhelmed by the message that uh, this passage of Scripture, by the goodness and faithfulness of God, when reading through this passage. And that's why I challenge you to go home and read through this whole passage and listen to what it has to say. I have about four questions I'm going to try to address today and to answer as we move through our message today. The first one is, what did Paul want the Christians in Rome to know about from today's text? After thinking about this question for a while, I concluded that Paul wanted them to understand the role that faith plays in accepting challenges and handling uh, problems. He wanted them to understand that if they developed and cultivated a close, close relationship with God, no challenge they faced would ever intimidate them and no problem they encountered would ever separate them from God and never separate him from his love. He was trying to help them see that God was merciful and that God was always working on their behalf to bring good out of bad. And at no time would they ever be outside of God's care. You know, remember I said last week, Christ's eye is always upon us. We are never out of God's care if we're living in the spirit and we have him living inside of us. God would never lose sight of them. That was the message Paul was trying to portray. God will never lose sight of you, and God would always have their back in this faith journey. I want to read some more passages, especially the ones, verses 31 through 39. What then shall we say in response to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son but gave him up for us all, how will he not also, along with him, graciously give us all things? Who will bring any charge against those whom God has chosen? It is God who justifies. Who then is the one who condemns? No one. Christ Jesus died. More than that, he was raised to life at the right hand of God and is interceding for us today. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are accounted as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am convinced that neither death nor life, neither angels nor principalities, neither the present nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Now, isn't that a powerful statement? Isn't that something that we can apply to our lives today and, and trust that God is going to take care of us? So that's what Paul was trying to tell the Christians in Rome that day. He was trying to help them understand, uh, you know, God's faithfulness and how God would have their back. He would protect them if they would only listen to him. Why did, the second question is, why did the believers in Rome need to hear this hopeful message? Well, like us today, there was uh, no shortage of challenges and problems that had come their way. Every day their faith was challenged, and they faced the temptation to adopt the culture's values. Doesn't that sound familiar? 
They were faced with the, having to face uh, the temptation to adopt the culture's values. And at times they were ridiculed, they were belittled, they were discriminated against, and even arrested. Now, what were they to do? Was this challenge too big? The challenge to be the change agent and usher the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven? Was that too big of a challenge? Was it time to give up? I'm sure there were lots of questions in the minds of the Roman, of the Christians in Rome that day, at that time. And um, you know, what did Paul say? What was his message? It was not time to give up. You look to God and be strong. You are not alone, and you never will be. God is by your side, and that is the message to us today. If God is for us, who can be against us? And we need to remember that every day. If God is for us, who can be against us? And in the time, and Lisa mentioned a little bit about, you know, some of the things that we face as a nation and in the world, we need to remember if God is for us, who can be against us? And he will carry us through. Third question today. I'm moving pretty quickly through these questions, aren't I? The third question, and I know you're happy. You've probably got lunch plans. <laughs> the third question today is, why did Paul have so much confidence in God's abilities and faithfulness? Well, he was speaking from his heart, from his own experiences. Paul was speaking from his own experiences. On many occasions, God had done for Paul what he was telling the Christians in Rome that God would do for them if they would just trust him. In other words... In 2 Corinthians 11, 23-27, Paul revealed that he had been flogged, he had been beaten with lashes, he had been beaten with rods, he had been stoned, he had been shipwrecked and lost at sea, he had been hungry, he had been thirsty, he had been cold, he had been naked, and he had endured many sleepless nights. In other words, he had, he had experienced every miserable and dangerous condition that he talked about at the end of this chapter, Romans chapter 8, without God's help, he would have stumbled and he would have fallen and he would have lost faith and hope. He would have given up. Paul did not give up. This is why he wrote earlier in Romans chapter 8, Romans chapter 8, verse 26, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. It is also why he told the Corinthians in his second letter to them, God's grace is sufficient for you God's power is made perfect in you. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. This is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, and in difficulties. For when I am weak, I am strong. And that's found in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 9 and 10. At all times, God worked on Paul's behalf to strengthen him and to bring good out of bad. Under every circumstance, God provided the wisdom, the strength, the stamina, and the courage and the determination Paul needed to persevere. Today, life's challenges come from all directions. Many of us among us are suffering physically, emotionally, financially, and in various other ways. And many feel that they have no hope. Paul's message to the Christians in Rome is a truly a message that can bring hope and that can bring comfort to all of us today if we just hear his words. Let Paul's testimony encouraging words to the believers in Rome speak to us today. And I challenge you to embrace Paul's confidence in God's ability and faithfulness. Draw close to God and allow God to help you face your struggles and let God fill your heart with courage as you walk down unfamiliar paths. And we all walk down unfamiliar paths from time to time. Let go and let God walk you down those paths. It will make that journey much easier. And then let God fill you with that courage as you walk down those paths and live one day at a time without fear and anxiety. Now, there's a lot of fear and there's a lot of anxiety today. I see a lot of people who are dealing with anxiety and who are dealing with fear and, you know, when I always told us as counselors, we're, we're supposed to offer hope. We're supposed to offer hope. I can give you clinical ways to deal with your issues. I can give you medical advice to talk to your doctor about with, with issues. 
that the greatest hope that I can give anybody is the hope of Jesus Christ. And in my counseling, I always say, I let them know up front. I let them know up front. You know, I'm a Christian, and I base my, faith, my life and everything in my faith in Jesus Christ. He is my hope. And I, if you want to further explore that, I'm happy to explore it with you. And most people do. I'm finding that most people want to explore that, no matter what their background is in. But the only hope we can give is the hope in Jesus Christ. And uh, I'm, I'm so grateful for that. And, you know, it talks about how many times, I've read a couple of things and doing the research for this, how many times in the Bible does it say, do not fear, do not be afraid? Well, some said it, said it 365 times, but that, that's kind of been refuted. And on my research, I, I kind of found that 63 times in the Older Testament and the Newer Testament that it says, do not fear and do not be afraid. I want to share a little personal narrative. I don't ever want to talk about myself, but as it relates to what we're talking about today, I'm going to share just a little bit. When I was sick way back in December and January, January, it was a great time of reflection and soul searching for me. I had, by God's grace, made it 66 years without ever being in the hospital. The day I went to the doctor and my blood oxygen saturation was 78, the doctor looked me in the eye and said, you're not going home. And I thought, well, I've broken my record. I know where I'm going. So I was admitted to the hospital with severe pneumonia. I really didn't realize it was severe at that time. And I was put in an isolation room where no one could come visit. My family couldn't come. The only people I would see were the hospital people. And by the way, they were excellent during that week. And that was probably the worst part for me, not being able to see anybody, not being able to go outside that door. And I wondered if anything, if life existed out that door after a while. My mind was playing games with me. I thought, does, does life really exist outside this door? But uh, it was a lonely eight days. But you know what? I was never, ever afraid. I was never afraid. I found myself lying in that bed thinking about how thankful I was. Now, I know that sounds crazy, but I, I, I laid in that bed thinking how thankful I was that I had hope, I had peace, I had Christ in my life, and I knew God was present with me in that room. I could feel his presence the whole time, and it brought me great comfort and peace during that time. I was fortunate to have the best hospitalist, the doctor, the best hospitalist that person could have. She uh, would come in and spend all the time I needed with me to answer questions and to update me on my progress. And she reiterated the fact that I was responding to the treatment better than any other patient that she had. God used her to encourage me throughout the week, and I was so grateful. I was out of isolation the last night before coming home and had been moved to another room. And the next morning... She came by, and she inadvertently, she didn't know where I was, she inadvertently stopped by the room, outside the room, where I was, and the door was open, and I was sitting on the edge of the bed. And she turned and saw me, and she came in, and she said, I am so glad to see you. She said, I am so proud of how you've responded. And she said, I was afraid you would get out of here before I could tell you how much I have enjoyed working with you. And, and that had to be a God thing, because she was only there like, she was there that week, and then she wasn't going to be back for several weeks. God placed her in that hospital, for I felt, for me that week, but I'm sure it was for many others. I don't want to be so narcissistic that I think it was just for me. I think it was for other people as well. And uh, she was absolutely fantastic. And uh, I was able to share with her that God put her in my path. And I didn't know what her religious... Uh, leanings were, and we never talked about that, but she was beaming with joy as I was when we were talking about that. And uh, for her to have been there just for that week, God placed her there, I know. After a few weeks at home on oxygen 24-7, I needed to follow up with a pulmonologist. I wasn't comfortable with the one that had been rec to, recommended to me here, and I called a dear friend of mine and asked who he would recommend. He connected me with one of the finest Christian doctors I've ever met, he went over the records from the hospital and he looked at several tests and looked at me after several tests and he said, I don't know if you knew it or not, but you were severe 
and that most of my patients at that level must be on a ventilator, which I never was, by the way. And he told me at that point that my recovery had been remarkable, and I had responded to the treatment beautifully, but more importantly, he looked at me and he said, and prayers worked. And they do. The prayers of the faithful, the prayers of the faithful worked, and that was you. You were praying, even when I didn't know it, you were praying, and that's the reason I felt comfortable, and that's the reason I felt thankful. So I continued down the path to great recovery, and today I have a clean bill of health as of last week. My physical last week could not have been better. All my levels were great, and the doctor said he sees what he sees in 40-year-olds and younger is what he saw in me. And here I am now, after Monday, 67. <laughs> there is only... You know, there's only one explanation for that. God was in control. God was in control of my recovery. And my heart is full of thankfulness. I get tears in my eyes when I think about it. Thankfulness for his goodness. And it is to him that I will always give him the honor and the glory and the praise. And I was never afraid throughout the whole ordeal, except for about a month afterwards. You know, I started losing hair. And I, was, I thought, <laughs> oh, my goodness. And, and it's, it's come back real wild. It's coming back real wild. It's uh, curly and it's, it's uh, wavy. And uh, I've never had that before. And it just kind of goes like this. And I said, and I've said this before, and Linda's heard it over and over. And by the way, she was a great caretaker. She was a great caretaker during all that. But I said, this is not to disparage any of you who do not have hair. But I'm two out of three, short, fat, and I don't want to be bald. <laughs> <laughs> all that all that is to say today that don't abandon the journey don't ever abandon the journey and that was the message that Paul was giving to the Christians at Rome it's not over it's not over as a friend once told me with God everything works out in the end if it has not worked out yet, it's not the end. It's not the end. So do not give up too soon. Trust God to guide you through this journey of life. He wants to help us, but we must surrender our control to his control. And that is the message today. Surrender our control to his control. Today, if you've never given your life to Christ, it would be a wonderful time to ask him to be your Lord and Savior. And by doing so, you will have the confidence that Paul had and the power that, was Paul that he was talking about. And it would be my honor to be able to show you how you can have that power today. Perhaps you need to recommit your life to this journey, and you can do that today as well. And if you're looking for a church home and you feel God leading you here, we would welcome all of you with open arms. And I pray that you'll let God speak to your heart today as we pray and then sing together. Will you join me as we pray? Father, thank you for the confidence that we have in you. You alone are our are, are hope. You alone are our strength. You alone are our comfort. And Father, I pray today for those who are experiencing uh, sadness, those who are experiencing uh, ill health. I just pray that you would reveal yourself in a very special way to them this morning as we pray and as we uh, worship together. God, thank you for the message that you gave us through Paul. And it's not just a message to the Christians in Rome. It's to us today. And so, Father, we do pray. We pray this morning for spiritual awakening in this church, in this town, in this state, in this country, and in this world. Because we know if we have spiritual awakening, revival will come. And we pray for that. We need it so badly. Thank you for your watch care over us. Thank you for your love. And thank you most of all for your forgiveness and the great sacrifice you made in order for us to be called your children. We love you, Father, and we honor you today. And we pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. I'm going to ask you to stand, and I'll be standing down front singing a beautiful hymn, Grace Greater Than Our Sin. You stand and join as we sing.
And I know you're grateful for God's grace today. Amen? Amen. Yes. Thank you for being here today. And uh, Todd will be back with us. In fact, uh, in the morning, he'll be back in the office, and I'm really glad, actually. <laughs> uh, and he'll be here Wednesday night to share with you. And uh, Eddie, we're praying for you. And I couldn't help but think of Judy's words to me not too long ago, you know, when I said I was praying for and, and praying that uh, God would heal her. And he has healed her. It's just on the other side. But Judy said to me, she said, it's okay. I know where I'm going and I'm fine. And so I remember those words, Eddie. She had the confidence that Paul was talking about. She had that confidence. So we're praying for you. And we're praying for all the others, the shoemakers and their whole family as well. Today, if you brought your um, bottles back, uh, the, the uh, receptacles are out there by the table. Just drop them in there. And uh, those will uh, go to avenues for women. Okay, I look forward to you all being here Wednesday night and us sharing together. Uh, another beautiful time of prayer together. And uh, we'll, uh, I pray that you stay safe and everybody uh, has a great day today. And just know that God loves you and God's in control. Let him have that control. We're going to join to sing together a closing song and then I'll close this in prayer. pray that we would always tell the beautiful story of who you are and what you can do in our lives. We love you. Keep us safe as we leave this place and may we come back together with hearts full of praise and worship for you. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.